0: Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch. Uh, For any of those times, but also want to encourage you to be with us in person, 830 Central Time at exit 124 right there at White Mills in the Eastview exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 1030. Also our Wednesday night services at 633. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah! But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message, just uh, in this time of encouragement, finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless.
1: Woo! Let's give the Lord some praise. How, what if this is the last opportunity you have? We don't know that it won't be. Whew. Woo! Glory. Amen. Thank y'all so much. Luke chapter 15, very familiar. The the chapter of lost things, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. I've titled this message, The Season of the Prodigal and the Will of the Father. A couple of weeks back, I, I preached the witness of the Father and the importance of that in order to know your identity and the way that the Father witnessed the baptism, the transfiguration, and the different times in Christ's life, his son's life to identify with him, and this is the will of the Father. And this is, it's going to have, let me just go ahead and lay this out so it'll it'll make sense in your mind. You're going to see two parallels. They're going to run together, okay? What you're going to see is a national connotation that'll have the thought of this nation, and the other will be personal. So you'll see both of these intertwined today that'll have a national message for this country about speaking that within the thought of the prodigal, a nation that has gone astray, and then also in your personal life and in my personal life, Maybe the times that we have served the prodigal's heart or the prodigal's thought. So Luke chapter 15 and verse 11, really the only reason I'm putting these glasses on is because I've been crying and my eyes is foggy. No, that's not altogether true. There's a
0: little bit more than that.
1: So two things today. Verse 11, and he said, a certain man had two sons and the younger of them said to his father, father, comma, give me. I'd like to stop right there. I'd like for us to go down to verse 16. And when he had feigned, he would have feigned, filled his belly with the husks that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. And verse 17, and when he came to, and I'd like to stop right there too. And I think the word will finish up, okay? Pray with me. Lord, we love you. Boys, we celebrate today so much more than a national holiday. We celebrate the freedom in Christ Jesus. That your word declares where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And God, we know that that underlying foundation is that, is that a nation without law is a lawless nation. And so it would be with the people. That God, we're not a lawless people. We're just a people that's been God redeemed by the blood of Jesus. Jesus, you said in your word, you didn't come to do away with it. You just came to fulfill it. And we're thankful today that we can live free through the power of the Holy Ghost and through the power of the precious blood of the Lamb. Today, God, I got to humbly ask you that you would anoint these lips of clay, that I may bring forth a now word, God, for your people. Mm. God, hide us behind the cross. And Lord, I do not take this sacred death for granted. And God, I'm humbled to even be a part of your call. So today, Lord, shh, do what you do. If somebody's lost, save them. If they need healing, heal them. If they're broken, fix them. It's a pretty simple gospel, Lord, that we want to preach out. So have your way. And everybody said, Hallelujah. Before you sit down, turn to somebody and say, do you know how you got here? How many of y'all can thank God for that clicker now on your little car fob thing? How many of y'all ever come out of Walmart and say, where did I park? Where did I park? And you have to hit that. Eric's going to pull this picture up. I got two questions today. And, you know, this is the question. <laughs> the question today is, how did I get here? And how do I get home? How do I get here and how do I get home? And let me lay this out because I don't know if any of you have ever started, studied the will of the Father and the will of God for your life, but I hear that question pretty often. It's almost a perpetual question that will come up at different times. I, mean, people say, I just want to know what the will of God is for my life. And the will of God, first off, is just like Brother Roger had said, the will of God initially is for you to be born again, for you to get saved. That's the whole reason. And that was the will of God to send his son into this world to die for us and to rise again so that we could see that there's life after death. Amen. And that in that, that he said, if I go, I'll send you the Holy Ghost. He's going to help you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to convict you. He's going to testify of all those things that I am. He's going to bring you to remembrance of who I am. So God's doing all that thing. But when I talk about the will of the Father, I want to show you the love of God and the will of the Father. How many of you have ever went through a tough season? How many of you thinking, I'm going through that season right now? Okay, my senior year, we, man, we were the bomb. Boy, my junior year in football, senior year, we horrible. Had a losing season, according to the world. Would you have played? Absolutely, man, I love football. I love football, even with sore knees today and different things. I'm so thankful I played. It was some of the greatest time in my life, man. I enjoyed it. Went through a season. But I found throughout life, since we've been preaching the seed, the soil, and the season, this season thing may last a week or two, but some of you are going through a season, and I need to show you, my heart today is to tell you and to show you that it's God's plan. Okay? And here's what I want you to do today. I want you to quit giving the devil credit for the season that you're in. Because what you're doing is you're applauding hell every time that you cry out to God and say, I'm under attack and I'm under this and that. Could it be that God loves you like he loved the prodigal, he loved you enough, and the will of the Father was to let you go and to let you do what you wanted to do? So before we start giving all this accreditation to hell and to Satan, why don't we just say today, Lord, I know that all things, somebody say all things. Work together for the good. How many of you know you're called by God? How many of you know you're called to do His purpose and His plan? Well, go ahead and give Him some praise then. If you'll get a hold of that, that if then listen, if you can proclaim greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world, if you can proclaim today that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and if you can claim today that no man is able to pluck me out of the Father's hand, then you've got to proclaim that God knows exactly what you're going through, and He's allowing you to go through it. So we love the prodigal enough point number one how'd I get here give me It's where we at America it's where we at church people give me it's called entitlement it's called entitlement. Give me all the portion of the goods that falls me. And you know what? God loved him enough to give him everything he had. Shared it in his estate, not just to that son, both sons. He did that. He divided unto them his living, his estate. And how many of you have been given grace? How many of you have spent it the wrong way? Okay. Okay. Give, give me. We're living in this time right now. And as we look at this very thing, you can tell that we're living right now in this day within the culture. The Lord gave me a quote. Okay. Could you pull up that quote, Eric? It's from the Lord. The generation that is the highest risk or susceptible of dying in bondage and captivity is the generation that was born into freedom the reason that I'm saying that is this is that the generation that is free that is at the most risk of being or dying into slavery within the mindset of mind or in the past color creed, I'm not there, what I'm saying is bondage, the very one that is able to do that and susceptible to having it again are those that were born into freedom, let's face it today, you and I were born into a free nation since 1776, since Independence Day, you and I have understood today other than the attack on 2000 and 2001, September 11. other than that, on our soul, we haven't seen that, we have not been oppressed, in my generation, can somebody say amen, is it true or not, and now, we are so susceptible, because we can't define freedom, because we don't, and haven't been able to define freedom understand the cost of freedom. However, there were those that didn't just give some, they gave it all that we've already thanked God for those veterans and all of those people. Can we thank God again for those people that paid the ultimate price so we could stand here today behind this pulpit and do that? So when we look at that, we're in a generation right now that doesn't understand what the bondage and captivity is of another nation. We don't understand that. What we know today is a word called deservation. It's a new word. I thought I was making it up, but I actually found it. It's deservation. What is deservation? Rhymes with reservation. The reason I just say deservation. Deservation is the state of mind and thinking that you are owed everything and you deserve it all. And we are living in a time right now where people are living in a state of mind of deservation. That you owe it to me. That I'm entitled to. And we're taught, Bill, instead of deservation, what we're teaching is deservation or seeing in our culture deservation instead of preservation. We will have to stand in the coming months and years or until Jesus comes back and declare that our God still reigns supreme and our God is still alive and we still believe every piece of the Word of God. You're going to be put to the test. I think now would be a good time for me to proclaim from a five-year-old prophet that doesn't even know she's a prophet yet. And I put that title upon her loosely and with all the love that's in my heart. Last Sunday morning, I watched as a five-year-old walked up this aisle to tell my wife and to whisper something in her ear. And it was at closing time, and I asked Amy to come up and help me close. And little Miss June, June, are you back there? She comes up, and she had an important message for Amy. And the message for Amy, in the midst of walking through all you people and not afraid at all, she tells Amy something like this. We had to come home early from vacation because there was a storm coming that has resonated within my soul all week long. Brother Wayne, what are you trying to tell me? I'm tra- I'm telling somebody right now, it's time to come home. There's a storm coming. Do you hear what I'm saying? Now, you can stay where you think you're going to stay and live, but I'm telling you, there'll be a time when the money will run out, the friends will quit, and everything. Will, come on home. It's time. to. I'm, I'm ahead of myself. But I've stayed with that Miss Kim all week long, and I thought, boy, she spoke a word if nobody else but to me. So we've got a nation right now that's on the brink of collapse. And why is that? How did we get here? Because we've allowed it. What you permit will quit asking permission and start barging in in your house. It's like the kid that lives in your neighborhood. He comes in one time wanting a snack and you let him. Guess what? He won't ask you next time. He'll come in and hit the cupboards. So I'm like, what? Stay with me a minute. The enemy, by the way, let those kids come before y'all get wigging out. The truth of that, the enemy, the first time you permit him in, he won't ask permission the next time. And he'll have grounds to stand on the next time. He said, you let me in last time. I'm coming this time. So where are we at? Brother Clay, it's this in Judges 2, 8 through 10. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, being 110 years old. Remember, Moses is the one that brought them out. Joshua is the one that received the mantle as the successor to bring him into the promised land. Verse 10 said, And also all that generation were gathered under the fathers, meaning they died. And there was another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works that the Lord had done for Israel. What's going on? We have not told and testified of how good that our God is. Is. and before you proclaim it on the sidewalk start in your living room and tell your kids just how good your God is and he's a saving God He's a. He- anybody know what a miracle is from God then tell your kids how he brought you through the Red Sea when there was no way how- we ain't putting this on nobody else so we're going to receive what we need to receive today But there arose another generation after them that did not know the Lord. I'm not talking about a religious God. I'm talking about a relational God that left us, that brought us the blood of Jesus to be applied. And though our sins be as scarlet, they can be made white as wool. That left us the manifest presence of the Holy Ghost of God to assure us that our God is alive and living on the inside of us. Where are we at today? The fastest growing segment or group of people concerning Christianity and other religions of the world are those that are called nuns, not in reference to the Catholics. You've heard me say this before, but the nuns are those not within a Catholic mindset, but this thing, when we say nuns, no faith. And he said this in Deuteronomy 32, 20. He said, I'll hide my face for them, and I'll see what their end shall be, for they are a very forward generation in whom there is no faith. This is where we're at today. Other than the Islamic faith, the Buddhist faith, the Christian faith, all those faiths put together, the fastest growing faith is those that have no faith. They're called nuns. They don't believe in anything. And when you don't believe in anything, you have a neutral faith. What does that mean? You can be pushed one way or the other. And what that means is you'll go back and forth. You'll sway this way. You'll sway that way. When you don't have a faith. And that's where America is headed and already on the path to that. No faith. What is it that brings us together? a lot of this will be teaching. There'll be Holy Ghost moments within this I'm sure of things that he's related to me but in Joshua 22 verses 26 through 28 therefore we said let us now prepare to build us an altar. Remember this is that time period. We come out of Egypt now Joshua's taking him into the promised land. He's getting ready to go on leaving the mantle if you will of who God is to the people that are there. He said let us now prepare to build an altar not for burnt offering nor sacrifice remember everything within that realm of what they knew was built on the blood of sacrifice of the bulls and the goats the word of God said where there is no blood sacrifice there's no remission of sin we know that Jesus in the new covenant that we live in that Jesus became that blood covenant for us he done away with the first to establish the second the first cannot coexist with the second the better and the new covenant is Jesus Christ aren't y'all thankful today that you have an advocate that is higher than any advocate in this land that you have somebody sitting at the right hand of God, that you have a delegate, an ambassador, hallelujah, that brings the glory of God into you and also sits there to represent you when Satan accuses you. Isn't it awesome today to know that you are not alone in your fight? Let us build an altar, not for that, but for what? In verse 27, but that it may be a witness between us And you and our generation after us. Let's put an altar together, Larry. I still believe in an altar. I still believe in an altar. I do. Whether it's the altar where you pulled over on the side of the tow road with your head on the steering wheel beside an old stump with your knee knelt in the barnyard or here at this altar, I still believe God honors and hears those things that a broken and contrite spirit brings to Him. I still believe tears matter. I still believe a broken heart matters. I am old-fashioned, new-fashioned, whatever you want to call it. I believe in the Son of God. And I believe when you get what he gives you, you will be solidified in him. That no man could give it, Amy, and no man could take it. The only way that you get talked out of it is if you get talked into it. Don't get saved because I want you to. Get saved because God wants you to. And made a way for you to do that. I like what Brother Rick Clinton, I mean, I can't wait to see Brother Rick Clinton again in glory. He comes to my mind almost weekly. I remember a decade ago. I remember a decade ago, Stephanie. Rick probably was in here. He's been here several. You all know that. Of course, he graduated on the glory last year. And boy, what an investment he made in this church and in the lives of every person here. I get weepy when I think about it. But I remember probably the first or second time he was here. And he'd do that with tears in his eyes and old glasses. He's wiping his tears and he said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. And I said, what is it? He said, Potter's hope is different. I said, what well, you mean? He said, do you know how many places I go and they don't ever use the altar? He said, this is a rarity. He said, I don't see it. But he said, boy, y'all know it. How many of you all know that this ain't just a piece of furniture? That this altar right here represents the cross of Jesus Christ. It represents a place where we can lay things down. And we can raise back up in him So what are they saying here Joshua's was saying this Let's build an altar church Let's talk to the nation Let's talk to ourselves today Let's build an altar Where we can come together We can sacrifice The selfish needs of ourselves And look for the common good The God good for a nation That says you know what I am the way I am the truth And I am the life I've got to tell you I can't walk with a Muslim brother I couldn't call him a brother Why is that Because we are brothers by and through the blood of Jesus Christ. That is how we are there. You say, Brother Wayne, you're being way too exclusive. Can I tell you, Jesus is the other that the world needs. There's nothing like him, never has been, never has been, never will be another like him. He is exclusive. The altar was an altar of memorial. He said, let's make that in a generation after us, talking to the young people that are here and the parents which are raising them and those of you that are surrogates in the life of all those around you. For those of you that say, I don't have any children. Yes, you do. You got mine. and Please don't fail to pray for them. Somebody tried to say one time, boy, y'all raised us. I said, we didn't have nothing to do raising them. We had something. But look, God raised our kids up. We had a tribe of people, of godly good people that helped us raise these youngins. In the same way for you. We're a family, Potter's Hope. We're a family. Why? So that we may do the service of the Lord before Him with our burnt offerings and all of those things. That your children may not say to our children in time to come, You have no part in the Lord. You have no part in the Lord. That when you and I have been witness to over the past month, several children that have come and given their life to Jesus and they don't care what you think. They come and they ease out of their seats and they bow their little hearts before God and tears start before they even get up here and they start saying, i got to be saved. I need to be born again. I'm thankful for that. Could it be that God is using the children to bring us back? Therefore said we in verse 28 that it shall be when they should say to us to our generation in time to come that we may say again behold the pattern of the altar of the Lord which our fathers made not for burnt offerings or sacrifices but it is a witness between us and you. Forgotten God. Forgotten God. This nation. Anybody that tries to tell you That this nation was not founded upon God's word. And the Judeo-Christian ethic and foundation. It is an absolute lie and a fallacy. There were not people that were there just trying to escape the tyranny. Of what was known in England. They were there to have freedom of worship and freedom within quote religion. And the reason that I said that that first quote is so important that God gave us is that we take for granted the freedoms that have been given to us. Hmm. I'm going to get there. Hang on. All throughout etch of time, and these, Kathy, are not in chronological order. Some will mark the 50s, the 1950s. Some will always go back to the 1700s. But I'd like to quote you some things. One said, and they can appreciate through personal experience that the really decisive battleground of the American freedom is in the hearts and minds of our own people. Each day we must ask that Almighty God will set and keep His protecting hand over us so that we may pass on to those who come after us the heritage of a free people, secure in their God-given. Secure in their God-given. Get back to my notes. Their God-given right and authority. In full control of a government dedicated to the preservation of those rights. Dwight D. Eisenhower. Dwight D. Eisenhower. Well, over 200 years ago, a man stood and said, This date will be the most memorable epic in the history of America. I am apt to believe that it will be celebrated by succeeding generations as the great anniversary festival that it ought to be commemorated as the day of deliverance by solemn acts of devotion to God Almighty. It ought to be solemnized with pomp and parade, with shows, games, sports, guns, bells, bonfires, and illuminations from one end of this continent to the other, from this time forward and forevermore. Second President of the United States, John Adams, on the 4th of July. John Adams also said this, and it's a sobering fact. He said the appearance of any religion, he said the appearance of religion only on Sunday proves that it's only an appearance. Can I get an amen? It's worth saying it again. The appearance of religion only on Sunday proves that it's only an appearance. Hello, somebody. He went on to say this. Human passions unbridled by morality and religion would break the strongest cords of our constitution as a whale goes through a net. That's what this nation was founded upon of men that believed in liberty and understood the cost of bondage and to be oppressed by a government. This will ring a bell when I get to the last line. Let me say it. It was given in a speech. It is vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace. But there is no peace. The war has actually begun. And the next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clashing or the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? And what is that that the gentlemen wish? What would they have if life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it. Almighty God. And he goes on to say, I know what course others, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty. Sam Walton. No! Patrick Henry. Patrick Henry. How did we get here? We got here because of a slide, because of the enemy kept chinking and targeting the very foundation in which we stand. What is this battle about that we fight? It's about good and evil. It's about hell fighting the very principle and the very pattern and order of an almighty God. And how does he do that? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You're not wrestling against people. You're wrestling against powers and principality. That St. Patrick Henry said, this is all the inheritance. Amy, I love this. He said, this is all the inheritance that I give to my dear family. And he said, it's the religion of Christ that will give them one which will make them rich indeed. One more. The perpetual smiles The perpetuous smiles of heaven can never be expected on a nation that disregards the eternal rules of order and right which heaven itself has ordained. The first president of the United States, George Washington. And what he simply says is we cannot expect for heaven to look down smiling today if we are willing to give up the freedoms that we've been given through Christ Jesus that today you know that it's been a struggle for me in times past. And the thing is, between politics and the presence of God and all those things, but we're at such a critical time right now in our nation. How many of y'all love Jesus? How many of y'all love America? Well, give God some praise. How many of you want Jesus to sweep through this America in a way like he never has before? Now, I'll tell you what I could do. I could do this today, and I've got to tell you that the enemy has wanted me to do this several times. Hey, preacher, why don't you just throw it in? They're sleeping through your message. They're doing this. Listen, there's no way that you can change or anybody can change the 330 to 50 million people. It's over. It's done. It's finished. And then I remember what Jesus said. You quit listening to the enemy. It'll be done when I said it's done. So then what's the answer? Do I preach on the corner? Yes. Do I tell people about Jesus at the gas station? Yes. Do I live it here? Yes. Do I live it at home? If y'all had have hopped on my bus, you'd have been a lot louder than that. What do we do? I got it, Luke. I got it. What was Joshua's success, Larry? How did he succeed, Kevin, when all of those nations were before him and the promised land was there? How did he do it? The Word of God says, guys, don't hold me to this. One of you can look. One of you can look. It's probably Joshua chapter 9 or 10, 11, somewhere in there. You know what Joshua did? There were 30-some kings that were against him and provinces, if you will, or countries and cultures that were there. You know what he did? One by one. He conquered one. He'd get that done. He'd go to the next one. Some of you today like, you don't even know, Pastor. I got all these things coming at me. Can I tell you something? When I go to a buffet, I got all them things coming at me. But i start. With something. I don't look there in amazement. I say, "Mm mm-hmm. And I'll get started. Can I tell you you want to defeat the enemy? Do it one by one. What is the message today? What is that? Want somebody shout one home at a time? That's how we win this battle. And you raise up a generation that in your home, and you say, God, I'm praying over these kids. I'm believing for favor. I'm believing that they're going to hold and take the high places that the enemy has had. They're going to be in places of government. They're going to be in places of legislature. My child may sit on the Supreme Court, and you won't have to wonder how they're going to vote. Hallelujah, they're going to vote God's way. That's how you do it, one home at a time. Because if not, it's overwhelming. Turn to somebody and say, you got to start somewhere. All I know is this, is what I've been praying and what we've been praying since we started praying about the souls has been one of the hardest times and seasons that you've been going through. But what I've seen is this, is God is saving children in the home and he's bringing America. Turn to somebody and say, you got to guard what you got. Joshua 24, 13 through 15. He said, I've given you a land which you didn't labor. You listen to me, potter soap. I've given you a land you didn't even labor for. I've given you cities which you didn't even build. And you dwell in them and other vineyards and all of the that you planted and that you're eating of. Now therefore, fear the Lord in sincerity and truth. And Joshua is saying this and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve the Lord. I look at all this beautiful, all these beautiful things as I'm watching fireworks the other night, as I'm watching a rabbit play and chase another rabbit in my backyard, and I'm watching a deer and a new fawn, and I'm watching these things, Dan, and I'm seeing all this, and I'll just stop sometimes and I say, God, you're so good. It is so good. I thought, God, this place, we didn't labor for. We just asked for it. And God gave it to us a place where we could worship Him, a place where we could see souls saved and lives changed, a place where we could move the pulpit about six times. Just to get y'all focused on people out there. But I've given you a land, and, and that's the thing with America. You and I are reaping the benefits of what God has given. As much as a man had approved for and stood for, it was still by God's design and His sovereignty that America would be a light in these days that we're in. Verse 15, could you pull it up please? Joshua 24, 15. We're living at a time right now to where to some people it seems evil, unto you to even serve the Lord. He said, choose you this day who you'll serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me, somebody shout, but as for me, somebody shout in my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Do you mean it? If you do, give him some praise. Listen, solidify that right now and declare that and believe that. Not for me, but give God that praise and declare that we're going to serve you today. We're going to serve you. Quit letting church be a foxhole in a bunker that you never come out of. Let it be a place of refreshing and a place of encouragement to where you can go out there. Sure, you're going to be opposed. I met a man at the gas station this morning I remembered him from back in high school. Um, Rick, I could call his name, and you remember, big old burly guy. We used to play basketball together. And I seen him, man. I said, hey, Bob, what's up? He seen me all the way across. He said, what's up, man? And finally, he come over there, but he had a beard. And he was bragging how his hair wasn't all gray. And I said, I got some gray. Stanley, I mentioned your name. We were talking about church. Me and Stanley. Me and Stanley in the same homeroom. Love you, Stanley. I'm sorry for that clown I was all back in. Forgive me. I do not know why come to church. Here. As I was talking to him, me and him were talking. He said, hey, you know what I need to do? See, Bobby, mm, I mentioned his name. Uh, he grew up on the other side of the tracks. And with tears in his eyes today, he said, man, I need to tell you something. Pulled up there in his old Ford truck. He pulled up there and he said, "I need to tell you something." I said, "What is it?" He said, "You had a good mama." He knew I messed me up, and I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "You know what? Your mama was good to me. She never looked down at me. She never done that to me. Y'all made room for me in your house." And I looked at him and I said, "Wow." And you know what? He and I went back, and I'm just like, "Praise God." Of course, y'all know where we got to. I said, well, hallelujah. We prayed with each other. Bobby about died a few years. I mentioned the name again. Forgive me, Lord. He about died a few years back. He said six years. He went through a season of sickness. But guess what? He's better, and he's healed today. Can we give God some praise? That little side note. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. What's it talk about here? He says that. He said, when you go, he said, are you going to go back to there and serve the gods of the Amorites? The Amorites were the god. They were the... They were the people that served Molech and Leviticus 18 and 22. And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of, the, of thy God. I am the Lord. You see, the thing is this, and this is where we're at, America, and this is where you're at personally, is what happens is that any time that, that God's people would intermingle, Brother Asher, with those other tribes and those other cultures, listen, the offspring would always be ungodly, and they would take on those things, and they would start serving those other gods instead of the Jehovah Jireh God the one that sees and provides and guess what God's will let them do it the same way God's will will let you do the same thing today now let me get to where we're at the sacrifice of our children I've got somewhat good news and I don't know I, I, I don't know how I can present it in a way, but as much as 20 years ago, the number of abortions in the United States of America was somewhere between 1.2 and 1.5 million per year. I just read the latest statistic that I could find, Brother Bill, was one that said that that number is somewhere under 700,000 now. And as much as I want to give God praise, I almost feel like it's wrong because 700,000 is not just a little too much, it's way too much. One is too much. Can I get a witness? So see, this is what I'm saying, is that the sacrifice of our children is this very thought, so that we say that, you know what, I I, I can't make room for it. I can't afford it. I, I don't have time for it. Listen, you had time for the act. You know I'm real young. So if you're here today and you maybe are watching online that say, I can't afford it, I can't help it, I will tell you right now, how many of you in this house know that we can make a way for that mama that's, that's debating that very thing right now? I got some good news, a little infomercial real quick. Clear Choices will be firing back up within the first week of August. Can we give God praise for that? That means that that's going to be a resource and a place. For mamas to get those diapers, to get those Christian education classes. Listen, we want to give them more than a diaper. We want to give them Jesus. Amen. If they need a car seat, how many of y'all going to get them? They need, we going to help, ain't we? More coming. So that's all coming, church. Getting that put back in line to come. We're sacrificing our children on the altars of humanism and self-preservation, and self-exaltation. I've got a word for you, because this is something, as I was praying, the Lord reminded me, he said, you do a good job, or you trying to do a good job of telling your children what they are. You tell them they do good, they all this and that. And the thing is, we do that, Jake, and we present this mindset that you are, and we tell them they're conquerors and all of that. But can I tell you, as much as they can receive that, I wrote this down for me, and I think it'll make sense, that this, it's more than you are, you've got to be able to say you earn. Because you can give them a false sense of worth. Entitlement comes through that. Entitlement, you can tell your child everything that they are and give them a fairy tale, fluff, fluff, and all this kind of mentality till they get out in the world and the fiery darts of the enemy come and it pops their balloon and it pops their pride and their ego because you've raised them in something that's not real. And it means you earn. What do you mean? I'm not talking about your salvation. I'm talking about how many of you know you earn respect. That's something we're lacking today within the culture and within those things. That's the reason that there's no respect within the respect for life. Whether it's in the mindset of abortion and or anything else. Or over a hundred people being slaughtered, shot in Louisville, Kentucky. By drive-by shootings. Turf wars, guys, and over drugs and over evil. What's the problem? What if I, I don't give you the problem? How do we get here? Turn to somebody and say, Do you still use a pacifier? I know y'all kind of laughing, but I got something real for y'all. How many of y'all ever seen like a 16-year-old child with a pacifier in their mouth? Don't happen, does it? JJ, I knew you said you'd seen it. (laughs) Can I see your phone, Amy? Can I see your phone? All right. So you say, no, my child don't use a pacifier. So they start crying, and what you start doing. here. And this has become the pacifier. How do they know how to use it? Hello, mom and dad. Oh, I need some, really. What? (laughs) The pacifier has changed. And your children, if you don't believe it, you put stuff in their hands to keep them quiet. And we wonder why you've got to shout their name four times when they're so engulfed in a three-by-five screen. And when you do, they say, what? You've taken me out of my game. And we wonder why. Mm, I didn't think that would set well, and I hope it doesn't. By the way, if you get mad at me and run, he'll be where you're running to. I need to go ahead and tell you that. And you teach them to rely on that for their comfort and their peace. There's got to be more. Hang on, you want the line. You teach them how to be pacified instead of how to be crucified. And so you pacify their flesh instead of teaching them how to crucify their flesh. Well, Mom, they're mad at me. Well, Dad, they don't like me. So? It's me and that young man. <laughs> he's a young man. He's my age. We talking this morning. We knew how he's brought up. Everybody said, you don't know. I know what powdered eggs are. I know what burnt oatmeal is. I know. Hello? I didn't know Jif was peanut butter. All I knew is they had this big old tub when I was five, six years old. They had a big old tub, and in black and white, it said peanut butter. That's all I know. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? What's y'all looking like you don't know. Hey, look, I made it. Now, looking at me. I made it. And you take the top, never forget, a little side note here. You take the top off that peanut butter, be about that much oil standing on top of it. Huh? That's when your mama's making $1.70 working out of Brownsville at the sewing factory. Wondering how she's going to do that. And your daddy's somewhere else working, trying to send $45, $50 a week. Bobby, I don't know what it is, whatever that it was, trying to see a family of four hungry kids. Bobby, Bobby me compared to me. He worm me. But I want to tell you all right now. Mom did the best that she could to feed us. And I'll tell you what, you can survive on powdered eggs. So don't look at me and tell me that you don't know that you had to. Hey, man, we've all had some seasons. And when you look at this very thing, we could compare every bit of that. But it was only until I was 16 years old that I found a heavenly father that changed my life. <laughs> It was 31 where I truly come to know him even deeper, real quick. So we teach him how to be pacified instead of how to be crucified in Christ. Stay with me, please. I need to get this out. I said this a while back. We're teaching our kids to touch screens but not how to touch a soul. That's familiar maybe to some of you, but it's the truth. So how did we get here? I think I'm showing you, and it's been my heart to show you and extend to you how that we got here. And there's so much more that we could go on for weeks. How did we get here? Can you pull up the pig pen again please? The next thing. That whenever that comes up. That's how we got here. There's a pig pen trail. Because we said give me. God loves you enough to give you what you want. Just so you can see it's not what you need. I have said that countless times from this pulpit. So the question, how do I get back? How do I get back? And that's the second part of the verse. Look at verse 17 in Luke chapter 15. The word said, and when he came to. This is critical. This out of all of the scripture, Kathy, that I know probably serves as one of the most vivid pictures in my mind. The story of the prodigal. And I think it's because I see my own life so much in it. But the Word of God says when He came to, I know that, that, I, that I'm cutting that off there, but I want to do that, and when He came to. You see what happens in our life, that when we decide how do I get back, the thing that most of our life has spent, how do I get back at you if you've done wrong to me? How do I get back? And we want to get back. We want to do this. We want to do that. And we spend our life thinking in anger, how do I get back at them? How do I do that? You'll never make it home if that's where your mind stays. So, (laughs) when he came to, thought about the times in my life that I've been there and the time seemingly that I've been so drunken on self and i followed the sin that so easily was was there to follow. Leading me not only away at times from Him or trying to lead me away from Him, but it'll ultimately want to lead you away from your family in the very presence of God. Hmm. So how do I get back? What did he do that was so powerful? And it's familiar to you. What did he do to get back? He, the Word said he came to himself. That means he has like this revelation and he stops. And so is God working in all this? Yes. What did God do to bring him back? Why am I in this season? God knows why you're there. So what? God sent a famine. It wasn't just any famine. The Word said, as He's telling this parable, Nancy, is it's a severe famine. He gets to the place, you know it, where He's eating with the hogs. And when He came to, and He says, what am I doing? Some of you today may be on the brink of losing your family. You may be on the brink of losing a relationship, not just with family, but maybe with God. And those of you maybe that are watching today online, But when you came to, he came to himself. Thank you, Stephen, for helping me today. So what, if you could put that up, what is the roadblock to my road back? This is really easy. This is what keeps you from coming back to him. Come here, Luke. As simple as this is, this is what keeps people from getting back to the Lord. Jenny, will you come and play, please? You stand here. Turn this way. Luke says, I'm coming to myself. I'm coming home. The thing that you have to confront is this. Luke, what's your chances? Not good. It don't look good for Luke. Luke, I love you, dog. And I mean, we know all about David and Goliath, but... So what has to happen? You see, when life changes is when you lay down yourself. got to let now step over self and come here to daddy stay right there he said I will arise and I'm going to go to my father and he said it's my father and his servants have they not got more than enough to eat he said I'm going to rise somebody said I'm going to rise and the whole time, the word of God, I'll be paraphrasing some. And the whole time, as the sun starts coming home, what I see is this in my mind so vividly. I don't see the Father turn like this. The word of God said, and he's seen him coming far off. And I see a long lane and a boy hobbling up a lane, stumbling up a lane, but doing anything to get up that road. And the father's back is not turned on him. The father said, I've been waiting for you, son. Come on home. Come on back to me. And in the simpleness of the gospel, this is what it takes. By the way, self look dead down there. But you're not going to understand the Lord and the power of His presence until you leave self behind. Give both of them a hand. I'm going to give y'all something, the Lord, give me before I close. I wrote something else up there that I penned. It's a long paragraph or something. The Lord, give me on Father's Day that's going to work today. But So how many of y'all ever heard that slogan? See something, say something. Y'all ever heard that? Pretty popular, isn't it? In the world, and then, because see something, you better say something. Kingdom's different. Kingdom says, say something, see something. You don't understand where I'm at, do you? So in the midst of all the vacuity of life and all the darkness and all the chaos and all the confusion, Lisa, and when all hell tries to wrap around, an almighty God spoke in the midst of darkness and said, let there be light. He spoke. You've got to understand this. I spoke it last week. Is that what you're waiting to give birth to in the natural is already born in the spiritual. You're waiting to give birth to your joy. But God has joy on its way for you. It's already born in the kingdom. Why ain't you getting it? Because you're not operating in the kingdom. You're operating in self. And you can't put self down you can't see what he's got for you until you lay self down and said I'm tired of living for me I'm going to start living for him and when you start living for him I'll start living for you do you understand that's when things shift Colton in our life not what pleases me but what pleases him you see this was a done deal say say something See something. I'm not a name it and claim it. Blab it and grab it Christian. I'm not. But I'm going to tell you something. Before I start my day, I'll start saying, Lord, it's going to be a good day. God, I love you. I praise you. We're going to, hello somebody, that I'm starting to speak it before I even see it. I'm not staggering at the promises that God has ordained for me. He told me that I am loved by Him, bought by Him, and I can serve Him. I've been delivered by Him, healed by Him, risen in Him. Does anybody know Him that I'm talking about? Do you understand me? It's time that you start saying something instead and bringing up the past to see something in your life. Well, our marriage ain't going to make it. Quit speaking that. Lay self down. A willing father is our close. A God that loved Wayne Clemens so much, is that what you want to do? Okay. I've given you grace, but you don't understand it. So I'll let you fall and fail and utterly just, just just be a wreck. I'll let you do every bit of that until you see that I'm the one that you really need. The roadblock to the road back is me. When you and I, we are so self-absorbed that if everything, if it doesn't work for me, then man, it's game over. In parallel to the prodigal story that I've written, or excuse me, that I have read, the younger of them saying, give me all that I have. Let me read something to you that the Holy Ghost laid on my heart probably around 3 or 4 o'clock a couple of, in the morning a couple of weeks ago. There was another willing father who let his son go into a faraway, sin-filled land. It was a land full of deceit, greed, jealousy, and envy, and pride. And the son, like the other, took all that the father had given him. But instead of spending lavishly upon himself, he spent it lavishly upon others. He brought with him the healing clinic of the Father's faraway land. And he shared with them the healing bond of, of the one that had sent him. And he healed all of that with those that were sick. With him, And from the Father, He brought joy to those that were downtrodden. And from the Father's vault of goodness, He brought grace and mercy straight from the bank of His Father's account to those that were bankrupt by shame and guilt. That wasn't all. He brought the keys to His Father's kingdom. And He gave them to an infant but sold out body of believers that he would use to change the world. He brought the heart of the Father to the souls of all that would receive. He brought with him the Father's blueprints of how to build a home, not in land, but in the hearts of all that would receive his love through repentance and faith and using the smallest lumber package that's ever been known. Simply two timbers and three nails. Oh, the son, this son too, would also return to the father only after he had not spent all on himself, but he gave everything to everyone else and for others. You see, he wouldn't walk back, crawl back, or make it back alive. This was a give-all, love-for-all mission. And in spite of giving it all, He was not deterred as His tattered body hung on that wood package. And the assurance, giving us the assurance of a heavenly homestead that the Father had prepared through the Son. Not deterred once again by hearing the murmurs, the yells, and even the curses of those That said, if you be the Son of God, come down. You saved others. Save yourself. In spite of all of that, he just simply said, it is finished. Ladies and gentlemen, what's owed to you was given freely 2,000 years ago, it was opportunity and it was choice and it was free will the choice to be free free from sin and the opportunity in which to thrive and even to strive in the king of or in the kingdom of an almighty god we have a choice today i thought you know god How much time do I spend thinking about what pleases me instead of what pleases you? Am I living for you or am I living for me? So, today, as I close, as the parallel between what is national and what is personal. It's time for you to come too. It's time for me to come too. And I believe it's a time with a sober call and a solemn call that for us, whether you're born again or not, for those of you that are born again, to solidify the call that's on your life and to declare your home to be for Him. If you're not, come to him give your life to Jesus I never can I always, always want to get right here Amy. but you can come I know today what will happen the enemy will want you to sit in your seat the first thing you're saying well I'm pretty good with God it's not what this message is about remember it's not about you It's about saying, how many of you believe that 26, 27, 28,000 people in this county need to be saved? How many of you believe that? See, I believe that. And if we don't pray, who is? How many of you know of a child that's away right now from the Lord and needs to come home? Well, that's not my child. I'm talking about your four and no more. I'm talking about if we're a family, if your child's away, that means one of God's children's away. How many of you know a marriage that could stand in need of prayer? Okay, so you're going to sit there and say, oh, my marriage is good. Praise God. Probably every one of us in this room could say that. That we know a marriage. Oh, by the way, if you're looking for a marriage to pray for, pray for mine. Hallelujah. And then y'all are get on Facebook, Brother Wayne's in trouble, pray for him and Amy. Pray for him and Amy. Lord we love you we love you and God today a sober call just just Holy Ghost you do what you want to do but Christians if there's a call on your life to pray for a nation come now if there's a call on your life right now to pray for a nation uh, that needs him if there's a call right now to pray for a marriage maybe it's your marriage maybe it's somebody else's marriage maybe it's somebody's child lay yourself down and let's pray this morning And let's come believing that God today, as we spoke about that altar, let it be a place where we commune with you. And God, maybe it would serve as a really good reminder to our children that we're not ashamed to pray. We're not ashamed to lay our life down before you and to lay self self down and let it be crucified. Do what you do, Lord, Holy Ghost. Arrest every sin in our life and take it out. By the blood of Jesus, we stand before you. We want to leave this place guiltless and shameless before you and pure. Do what you do, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
0: Hey, everybody, just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King.